as we continue in the series, this is week three of a series entitled Super Teams, uh, how the best relationships bring the best out of us. And uh, join me in Acts 16. I got to see where I'm going to start this morning. Acts 16, to give you the backdrop, instead of reading all the verses, uh, we have Paul and Silas. Uh, Paul is the apostle of the Lord. Uh, he is going through many different cities, preaching the good news about Jesus. People are being saved and lives are being changed. changed. Uh, miracles are happening. Uh, Paul has a friend. His friend's name is Silas. Silas is a prophetic voice in his life. So Silas uh, can, can foretell God's will and God's mind. And he's helping Paul get around to these multiple cities. And so in the story we're about to enter in here, Paul and Silas, they're in a city called Philippi. And what I'll do is I'll behave. So I will read it. I wanted to break it down, but this story is just too good to summarize. So I'll just try to read it without preaching it because we have a lot of stuff I got to get through. Are we ready? All right. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. And it says this. It says, one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. And um, how many know that's an interesting way to start your Sunday out? You're on the way to church, and you meet someone who's demon-possessed. For some of you, it's your radio. For some of you, it's your children. <laughs> My church people are like, do I laugh at that or do I not? Was, you can laugh at that. Where's Lance? <laughs> oh, my God. I love Snickers. Like, where's Marlon? Is Marlon in here? Yeah, Marlon's here. He's, he's a Snickerer. <laughs> Just making up all kinds of words. Met a demon-possessed slave girl. They're in Philippi, which is a Roman province um, far from Jerusalem. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul. And the rest of us, so he's saying the rest of us, this is a guy, he's a Greek physician, his name is Luke, and he's scripting Paul's journey. And um, the rest of us, and says this here, these men are servants of the Most High God. They have come to tell you how to be saved. Verse 18, this went on day after day, and to Paul got so exacerbated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. I love it how Paul understands that he within himself has no power, but it's the name of Jesus that has the power. And, um, I mean, she was just being extra. Like, yeah, we're, we're sharing the gospel and, and, you know, we're changing lives, but, like, we really need you to tone it down. You got those friends who just need to tone it down like they're just, oh, and you're like, chill. Verse 19, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. So Luke is Greek. He looks Greek. Paul and Silas are clearly Jewish, maybe because of their attire. And so in a Roman province, as a Roman citizen, you have certain rights. So if you're going to be arrested, you have rights to, to just, you know, due process. If you're not a Roman citizen, they can do whatever they want to do with you whenever they feel as though you've broken the law. And it says this here. Um, they dragged them uh, to the authorities. Verse 20, the whole city was in an uproar. Verse 21. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. So they're teaching about Jesus. They're trying to shove Christianity down our throats. No, 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 no. So verse 22, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials uh, ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten. Now, in Jerusalem, as Jews, they would have been beaten under the law uh, with 39 stripes. But in this Roman province where they're being mistaken as just Jewish people and not Roman citizens, in which they are Roman citizens, but in this uh, Roman province, they're going to receive much more than 39 
stripes. Um, as a matter of fact, they would have been beaten to the point that the jailers were too tired to beat them anymore. And it says this here, they were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. I want to bring a message to you entitled Pit Partners. Pit Partners. It's not a matter of if hard times will come, if you're taking notes, but it's a matter of who am I surrounded by when they come. And when we get in a pit, what do we do? So two questions, who am I surrounded by? And when we are in a pit, what do we do? They're thrown in an inner dungeon, underground, a pit. Pits in the scripture, if you're taking notes, represent death and separation from all things good. Pits, pits. And so this is our reality, if you're taking notes. But the question must become, what is our response? So who am I with? And what is our response? Who am I with? And what is our response? What's interesting about the text as I'm studying, these guys are doing the right thing. They're preaching Jesus. They're respectful. They're obeying God. They're going to church. They're praying. But they still end up in a pit. That lets me know that Doing the right thing does not exempt us from pits. If you're taking notes, write this down. Doing the right thing makes you a candidate for hard times. But two questions we have to address. Who am I surrounded by? And what is our response when we are in a pit? So we're going to pick it back up at verse 25. It says this here. Someone say, around midnight. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. So you're beaten, you're bloody, you're in a pit. It's cold, and it's wet, and it's moist, and it's dark. And you're praying, and you're singing praises to God. You're in a pit. I'm going to be very repetitive today. You're in a pit. It's dark. It's moist. You can probably see your breath because it's cold at night. You're beaten. You're bleeding. You're crying. But you're praying and you're praising. You're praying and you're praising. Who am I with? And what do we do? Who am I with? And what do we do? Who am I with? And what do we do? You're in a pit. It's dark. It's cold. You're separated from all things good. Who am I with? And what do, what do I do? Who am I with? I'm telling you, you might, some of you might get sick of me with that. What is our response? Who am I with? Because there's this thing about coming to church where we numb ourselves to the pain. It's almost like when we come to church, it's like, ah, everything's all right. And then we get back in the car 10 minutes after church, and it's like, here comes the pain. So the reason I'm going to be repetitive today is to drive something home in your heart. Who am I with? Church was awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, I feel great. It made love. I fight my battle. Oh, man, that was a great message. I got to listen to the podcast when it comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, life. Remember this. Who am I with? What do I do? Thank you. Who am I with? 
what do I do? Is that good? All right. Verse 26 says this here. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew a sword to kill himself. Paul shouted, stop! Don't kill yourself! We are all here. I don't know. That was me. Been like, you beat me, and I'm hungry, and I'm cold. Do your thing. <laughs> Just to let you know your, your pastor's heart, all right? Can I be real? I, we all get a little bitter. We all get a little upset. Paul's a better man than I am. So when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him, like, hey, Acts 16, I heard the story about you, bro. Like, how did you do that? Like, that was, that was awesome. I dealt with that my entire life. But anyway, so verse 29, the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Because I don't get it. You are, you're bleeding, you're cold. You're separated from all things good. I have the armor. I have the money. I have the resource. I have the connections. But I'm lacking something in my life. You're praying and you're praising when you have no business praying and praising. What is it? What must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Salvation is as simple as that. It's not a list of to-dos. It's not a list of don'ts. It's believe in the Lord Jesus, and your sins are forgiven, and heaven is your home, and we can start afresh. The Bible says that those who are in Christ have become new creatures, new creations. It's as simple as, Jesus, I give you my heart. And from there, God starts to do the work. He says, believe, and they share the word of the Lord with him and with all that live with him, verse 33. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds, and then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and his entire household rejoiced because they believed in God, I think. So to answer the question, what do we do? I'm going to give us three responses. Number one, we talk to God together. We talk to God together. I was doing some research on this um, thing. Like, we can agree that Paul and Silas have every reason to complain. And it says this here, some research on complaining. It says, repeated complaining rewires your brain to make future complaining more likely. Over time, you find it easier to be negative than to be positive. Regardless of what's happening around you, complaining becomes your default behavior which changes how people perceive you. I love it. It says this here. Research shows that most people complain once a minute during a typical conversation. I picked this up about six months ago, and, and I still did it, even though I picked it up. Um, I've been saying for years since, like, Florida, like, I'm tired. Like, I can, I can have nine hours of sleep, sunshine outside, breakfast laid out. Somewhere within the day, I'm tired. And I feel great. I'm tired. For you, it may be um, I've worked out and I'm overweight. Like you've been killing it for a year. You've lost weight and it's still, I'm overweight. Or like you've been killing it for a year and your butt has risen and you're like, <laughs> still a little teardroppy back there. Whatever, whatever type you have. Because y'all are looking at me with the church faces today. I can't do it. I really, thank you, Ash give me something it's just like wake up we're in church it's sunshine god is good got a little money in your pocket and if you don't you're sitting next to someone who got a little bread we good can i preach this thing can i give it to you all right thank you goodness man we've been doing this for a while now church y'all know me Let's just pause. Let's do this. 
until we get a thousand people in this place, I'm going to call you out by name. You better smile. We're still intimate. I'll call you in a second. Smile. Here's the kicker. Complaining damages other areas of your brain as well. Research from Stanford University has shown that complaining shrinks the hippocampus, an area of the brain that's critical for problem-solving and intelligent thought. Watch this. It's easy to bring our worries, our complaints, and our doubts to each other when we're in a pit. Watch this. This is good. Take a note. Instead of throwing pity parties, you see that pit E? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. We got to throw prayer parties, praise parties, gratitude parties, victory parties. And I just don't feel compelled to entertain you this morning. I feel compelled to really just teach what I see in the text. Jeremiah 29, 12 says this, in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. This is the Lord speaking to his people. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. <laughs> Many confession. Is this like free therapy? Talking to you guys. Your pastor is not one who initiates prayer often. But I have my people. It's getting a little weird because it's been like three weeks in a row. Chow Tran called me yesterday again, y'all. I don't know what he wants from me. It's nighttime. And he said, Pastor, we made it back from Florida, and I'm just checking on you. How's your heart? How are you doing? Are you ready for tomorrow? Heart's good, doing great, ready to knock the devil out. And he said, he's leading up, like, I'm his pastor. He's like, all right, this is what we're going to do. I said, all right, I'm, I'm ready. What are we doing? I'm, I'm stoked. I'm excited. What are we doing? Yeah, yeah. He's like, you're going to pray. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray together. Because last week he prayed for me. This week, ooh, see, ooh. we're going to pray together. Like, we get into this mode where it's like, man, life is tough. Life sucks. That person, uh, uh. And it's just like, and then it's like, oh, man, life is tough. Life sucks. Life, uh, uh, yeah, life is tough. Life sucks. Yeah, life is tough. Life sucks. Yeah, it's like Paul's like, yeah, Silas, this sucks. It's cold. We're in a pit. Yeah, yeah. Like Silas, like, yeah, it's cold. We're in a pit. This sucks. Yeah, yeah. And it's like we're throwing it up. And it's like, and it's like, and like, and like, and like, life is tough. This sucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's so easy to like, oh, I feel the spirit of God on this. It's so easy to like love our pits together. I heard a clap over there somewhere. I heard her affirmation. I heard amen. It's just so easy. Like my boss, my dad, I want to eat. I want to exercise. I don't do nothing about it. You were trying to make me, but I don't feel like it. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. And what we can learn from the apostle and the prophet is that they're teaching us to go at it a different way. Who am I with? What do we do? We talk to God together. You need people around you who are like, all right, I hear you. I know that's what they did. I know that's what's going on. I know that's what they said. I know that's what you lost. I know they left. Are you done with that? Because if you are, we can pray. We can offer up some gratitude. We can offer up some expectation. We can recall God's goodness. We can ask God to come into the pit. Because if we get God in the pit, the chains will fall, the walls will fall, the depression will break, the anxiety will break, the fear will break. If we just get some people that we can just pray with, do you have, this is a, a takeaway, do you have friends who are initiating prayer with you? 
prayer is not a science. It's not a formula. It's coming to God, recognizing who he is, and we're just going to give him our hearts. And the Bible says that he's going to listen and draw near to us. Jesus said this, if you're taking notes, in Matthew 18, verse 20. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And whatever they ask, that shall I do. So, like, I like to hear, you know, be it via social media or we have this thing for our superheroes called Slack that you can communicate. And you say, hey, I got together on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and we became prayer partners. We prayed about that cancer. We prayed about the illness. We prayed about spiritual growth. We prayed for our church. We prayed for our leaders. We prayed about finances. We prayed for our city. We prayed for our nation. We prayed for our president. We prayed for our Congress. We prayed for the world to know Jesus. We prayed for our future kids. We prayed for outreach. We prayed to change the world. I'm going to just keep on going. We just, we just kept on praying. We didn't complain, but, but we prayed. We prayed. We talked to God together. I'm not going to complain about my kids. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray with them. I'm not going to complain about my boss. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray with them. I'm not going to, I'm just going to, we're going to pray because we're not going to be the people who love our pits. Like you're, you're bleeding. Open wounds. Cuts on backs. Infection. You need healing. Someone can, you, you, need, you need power. You need strength. You, you don't need people to be, yeah, that's, oh, that's a bad wound. Do you have stitches of prayer? Can we stitch this thing up with some prayer? Can we stitch this thing up with some praise? Or we just go look at our wounds all day. Oh, yeah, you broken. I know I'm broken, but can we pray? We need to go up a little higher. Oh, man. It blessed me when I was studying. Second response. We recall God's faithfulness in the past. Pit, 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 smit. <laughs> Back up. You know, I've been doing this thing with my kids, so I had to think about what I was just about to say. Because you know how it's like, um, you, you say something and it's like you're trying to put people down. It's like, oh, I'm going to miss the party. It's like, oh, I'm going to miss the party. And then you'd be like, party shamarty. <laughs> you know, so like when I said pit, I'm like, pit Smith. <laughs> Psalm seventy seven, eleven through twelve. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. So as Jewish men, it would have been natural for them to, during prayer, say, God, this is what we need. The word prayer in the Greek, if you're taking notes, it means to exchange human wishes for God's supernatural will. Like, I'm going to give you what I want because what I want more for my life is your will. That's prayer. We're going to exchange this. Beyond that, though, they would have been murmuring the memories of the past. Let me show you something here. The Bible... Okay, the Bible is this. The Bible was never meant to be read. The Bible was written to be murmured, if you're taking notes. Because when you murmur a thing, you commit it to memory. When you murmur a thing, you commit it to memory. When you murmur a thing, you commit it to memory. When you murmur a thing, you commit it to memory. So uh, Luke is writing the New Testament, the book of Acts. The book of Acts is not complete at this point. So these Jewish men, they don't have the Old Testament on them. So what do they have to rely on? Their memory. Their memory. They would have murmured. This is why when you go to Jerusalem, they're, in the, they're murmuring prayers of the first five books of the scripture. They're murmuring. They're waiting on. They're, a lot of Jewish people are still waiting on the Messiah. But what they're doing is they're, they're, they're 
committing to memory the word of God and they're reminding God of what he has said. And it's important that when you're in a pit, you, 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 you recall what God has done. I'm, I'm going to show you how this works. And I just flipped to Psalms and this is where it landed. Oh, Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you. Don't let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who deceive others. Show me the right path, O Lord. Shout out to me. Lead me in your truth. Teach me, for you are God who saves me all day long. I put my hope in you. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me all day long. I put my hope in you. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me all day long. I put my hope in you. They're remembering and they're murmuring, you are the God who saves me. You're the God who delivers me. You're the God who sets me free. You're the God who heals me. You're the God who protects me. You're the God who, they're just murmuring it all day in the pit. The Bible was never meant to be read, but to be murmured. God is faithful unto all generations. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purposes. you got to murmur that stuff. Jeremiah 29, 11, um, I will give you a hope and a future and an expected end. Uh, when you come to me, you will find me. When you find me, I'll set you free. I'll give you a fortune. Uh, you got to murmur it. 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 You may not have a phone on you. You may not have a Bible on you. But all things work together for the good of those who are called according to the Lord, who love the Lord. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Uh, you got to murmur it. you got to murmur you got to murmur you got to recall the past victories i remember uh, my first car was a 2008 uh, silver chevy malibu and um man it was awesome called it the silver bullet and i'll just ride just riding riding ride you ever ride like that or am i the only one you got me Lance, where are you? Just, uh, <laughs> just riding. And about two years in, the Dern, uh, what was it called? The uh, catalytic converter. J the, yeah, Jason, you remember we used to ride the Tijuana flats to get some tacos. Just it just jerk on you. I'm like, man, I'm scared to drive this thing. I don't want to. I need triple A. <laughs> and it, it, it went down. This was in a season where um, Pastor Kyra was carrying too much water. She was four months pregnant with Judah. It was going to cost like 1600 bucks to get fixed. And um, I was getting paid like $500 every other week. So I just, I couldn't save enough money for this thing. I remember before we got married, I told you something. I said, I will never in my life own a minivan. I am too manly. <laughs> About three months into not having a vehicle. <laughs> the church called me up. It's like, sorry, Josh, we can't, like, you know, give you any more, but there's someone at the church who wants to give you something. And so I ride to the main campus, and it was a 2004 dark green Chevy Venture. Somebody say, thank the Lord for faithfulness. Come on now. And when you look back, you just, you recall his faithfulness. That's the sucker we brought Judah home in. That sucker, get up the road, boy. You just, like, you, you know, you slam that door and get out. Jay, you in? Kyrie, you in? Judah, Leslie, yeah. Like, just, it's gone. And then when I was finally able to afford to get my, my 2008 fix, it broke down. I'll break it down, Pastor Jason. He's the God of perfect timing. See, Jason, you don't even know why you're here. You don't know the weeks that we've been through, bro. Ooh, you don't know it. You don't know it. You don't know it. But the simple fact that you're here, bro, I praise God for your presence because God knows what we need. And he does it in the little, the little ways. Like he sends your best friend into town. 
the, the little ways, just here's a van, here's your friend. And last year I went home and dad was sick on his deathbed. I mean, his ejection fraction was like 20%. Like he was like out of it. And so I went back home. I went back to Florida. This is home about uh, almost two or three weeks ago. And that joker, he's up, he's walking, and he's riding. And my 2008 just, nah. And so when I get into a little pit today, I think about that green venture. I think about my dad walking around. I think about JG and his wife and Jay being here yawning, doing my sermon. She just, ah. But I think about his faithfulness, and I recall that God doesn't forget a thing. God has blessed you. God has delivered you. God has set you free. God has healed you. God has provided. God has come through. God has given you a spouse. God has given you your finances. God has been faithful in your life. So Paul and Silas, they're, they're murmuring. This isn't Paul's first go around. This is the greatest apostle to ever live. He's been beaten before. He's been spat on before. He's been abandoned before. There's a sucker named John Mark who left Paul's ministry. And he's like, Barnabas, that joker left us. You can go and be with him. I'm going to go ahead and take Silas, and we're going to change the world. This is not his first go around. But every single time he gets into a pit, he recalls, you touched me. You blessed me. You gave me strength. I didn't know how I was going to pay for that, but I did. I didn't know if we were going to make it, but we did. I should have died in that car accident, but I didn't. I should have died with that illness, but I didn't. I should have died and drunk myself to death, but I didn't. I should have lost my family, my wife, my kids, but I didn't. Because God is faithful. Someone give God another hand clap of praise. Our third response is this. We express our expectation of a greater future. You know, it was those same years that I, I share about a lot that, you know, with the, vin, with the uh, van and that were, we would say, tough years. I don't know about that anymore. And it's funny because there were things we were praying for in that season that we, God has given us today. And it's almost, it's weird. If you walk with Jesus long enough, it's weird. It's like, this is cool. But back then was, maybe it wasn't all that bad. And so we, we you know, I was strolling through Instagram the other day during the minivan years. And I don't know if this is, good PR or not, my creative team is going to hate me for this, maybe. But the past seven or eight posts on social media have not been me. <laughs> I should have got better laughs. You guys are, what's the next, I need the next verse. I'm going to get there. Like, it's not me. Like, it, we, I post from time to time, but if, if I was, we were going back into, I was going back into 2013, 2014, and just, you know, just, Smiles and joy, and I'm, I'm going to repeat this real quick. Smiles, and because don't, don't forget we're in a pit. Smiles and, and joy, and just, I was strolling, and you know, just smiles and joy and laughter and praise. We, we would clean the house with praise music. Babe, we don't do that anymore. That's two things I've been honest about. I don't initiate prayer, and we don't clean the house with praise music. What in the world kind of ship are we running here? Why are you guys here? <laughs> like, 
you know, the baby was just born, and oh, Jesus, Judah would keep us up all throughout the night. But it was joy, and it was gratitude. We could not stay out of the red. Food stamp money was like here and gone in three days. But if, you, if we go back and we stroll Instagram, smiles and joy and purpose, and we were building a team to move here, and that team would feed us, take us places. God would use that team to build us up, and we were in a pit, or so we thought. Because in that pit, we had an expectation. If you're taking notes, this is what expectation means in the Greek. It's waiting on the promise, the breakthrough, and the miracle of God with joy and full confidence. It's waiting on the promise, the breakthrough, the miracle of God with joy and full confidence. And I guess the reason we were smiling so much, and now today it's like, I don't know, maybe our expectation is low. But the reason we were smiling so much in the pit is because we had an expectation of a greater future. We waited with joy and full confidence that God would bless, that he would come through, that his will would prevail. And so when you're in a pit with the right people, you express your expectation. Why am I saying this? It's because the Bible says that they, their ankles and their legs were in a stock. So there's a, a pole right here, and they're, they're chained and they're fettered to stocks. As Jewish men, they would have naturally said, okay, we can't move our legs. And there are chains on our arms. But you, you, you can probably chain us down, but you can't chain our praise. It said that they prayed and they sung hymns. The other word for hymns is praises. They made acknowledgment unto God, and it was more than song. They would have lifted their hands, even though they, they, they didn't feel like it. Praise is not about a feeling acknowledging God is like, I'm sick, and I don't feel like it, and I'm tired. No, 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 no. We're going to praise God, and, and what this means when you lift your hands is you're telling God that you've done it before, you're going to do it again, and I have a greater expectation for my future. I'm in a pit. That's the reality. I'm bleeding. I'm broken. I'm hurt. I'm cold. But I'm not alone. It's me and it's Silas, and we have a decision to make. When you're in your light groups throughout the week, you guys have a decision to make. I get it. Groups are all good. Share your hearts. Cry. This is what you're struggling with. But you got to transition from, well, this is my group where I just kind of pour it out. And I, no, we got to transition from that to, well, okay, that's good. Now what do you expect? Now what do you see? Now what do you envision? Now what has God promised you? Now what are you waiting on? Let's offer him a praise together. Come on, church. You got to get behind this because you got you to feed yourself faith when nothing else or no one else can. So we're going to lift it up. A lot of you are expecting to be business owners, future spouses. You expect to get out of debt. You expect to grow in your faith. You expect to lead people, to change lives, to move people, to move cities, to move money, to move resources. I know me, God has promised me we're going to be up in the White House, Highlight Church. We're going to be speaking to the president one day. There's an expectation, an expectation of a future that is greater than today. And so they just, they, 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 they got together and they said, we're going to sing and we're going to praise and we're going to expect. Proverbs 23, 18 says this, there is surely a hope for you. Your hope will not be cut off. Someone said, thank you, Jesus. 
Psalm 27, 13 says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not when I get to heaven. That's easy faith. You don't need an expectation for heaven. The Bible shows you that through and through. No tears, no pain. We we know heaven's going to be great. Do you have an expectation for this life? While you are in this pit. And the second question is this. Who are you expressing that with? That's where the power comes in at. Is that I have a partner that we're just. This is your vision. This is your heart. This is your faith. This is what we expect. We're going to pray. We're going to recall. We're going to expect. We're going to pray. We're going to recall. We're going to expect. We're going to pray. We're going to recall. We're going to expect. These are our three responses. We're going to pray. We're going to recall. We're going to expect. We're going to pray. We're going to recall. We're going to expect. We're going to pray. We're going to recall. We're going to expect. Come on. We're going to. We're going to. We're going to. Come on. Pastor. We're going to. We're going to. We're going to. We're going to. We're going to, 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 the devil don't like this. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, come on, come on, we're going to, come on, come on, come on, we're going to, come on, uh-huh. That's what we have to do. That's what we have to do together. We got to pray, we got to look back, and we got to expect forward. We got to pray now, we got to look back, and we got to expect forward. That's what the apostle and the prophet is doing in the pit. We haven't lost the storyline. We're in it. We're there. Pray, recall, and expect. When you recall, you're saying that the the, the evidence of God's faithfulness is in fact true. Therefore, I can expect something greater in the future. Why? Last point is because our response has the power to change our reality. You're in the pit, but it's based on the response. It's your response that changes your reality. Pray. Recall, expect. Pray, recall, expect. Pray, recall, expect. I remember when we did our first Easter egg drop as a church uh, in uh, 2017, Saturday before Easter. (laughs) <laughs> and we were calling schools and everything. And so, I mean, they were mad with us. They're like, this is a no-fly zone. This is the DMV. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. This is God's territory. We're gonna do what we want. And so we just called. You cannot show a pastor like me red tape. I'll find it. You can't do it. It's the DMV. And so then we prayed. Then we prayed. Today we recall. Because it happened. And we don't just do these things just to do them because they're cool. We do these things to get the name of Jesus out in this area. Then we prayed. Today we recall. So this Easter we expect. And it it went from... (laughs) That sucker in uh, 2017 went from a little neighborhood. I have no idea why they approved that. (laughs) We found red tape, and it was like, I'm sorry I found red tape. If this helicopter falls, we were in the middle of a neighborhood, guys. Like, you remember, like houses. And then uh, we outgrew that, and last year we went to this park. And so now the city is like, we love you guys. We want you to do it. Like, there's a story about a, 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 a woman who was in the hospital. Right, and, 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 and uh, Shady Grove, correct? And her kid was like, Mom, like, they, don't, they didn't go to the church or anything, but her kid was like, Mom, like, we really want to go to the Easter egg drop. And so she's like, I'm sick as a dog, but I have to get out of this bed. 
I, I, I got to get out of this bed and get my kid to this egg drop. Now, on our end, we know that it's to get the name of Jesus out. But on their end, it's just a, it's the kid wants to go. And so now the city is like, we love you guys. We want you to do it. It's amazing for our city. They've taken us from this park, and now they're going to put us in this big old farm that can hold like 5,000 people. And so it's really an opportunity for us to love our city, to love our community, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to see this thing packed out on Easter. What was once a prayer now has become something that we recall. Now we expect to continue to change lives. Has anyone given their hearts to Jesus in this church? Has anyone's marriage been healed in this church? Has anyone's sickness been healed in this church? Has anyone found hope in this church? Has anyone discovered destiny in this church? Has anyone experienced freedom in this church? Have you formed your best relationships in this church? There's more. And when there's more for us, there's more for you. Expectation. What is your response when you're in a pit? Who are you with? What do you do? We pray, we recall, we expect. We pray, we recall, we expect. I'm feeding myself right now. Even I, I, don't, I don't care if I feel like I'm the only person in this room. Because there's something I'm expecting. Pray, recall, expect. This is what I want to hear in our light groups this, this week. That you pray, you recall. Child, this is the outline. And you talked about expectation. And when you do that, you understand that it's not about getting out of the pit. You understand that it's about bringing God into the pit. Because if I can get him in the pit, I know that there's nothing that can hold God back. And I know that when he's ready to break out, he's taking you with him. When you communicate, when you celebrate, and recall, and when you expect, you get God in the pit. The spirit of God is drawn to communication, celebration, and expectation. That's when you get them in the pit. That's when the walls fall. That's when the chains fall. That's when the fetters are broken. Let's give the word of God a hand clap of praise. Let's pray, church. Father, we love you and we honor you. We give you all the glory. God, I thank you so much that you are strengthening relationships and bonds amongst our local church. God, I thank you that we will continue to pray. We will recall. And by the power of your spirit, we will have an expectation for a greater future. God, I decree and declare that you are in that pit with those who are currently in a pit season, that your presence is there, that your power is there, Lord, that your spirit is there. And Lord, you have every intention on breaking us out of the pit. When we pray, recall, and expect.
Lord, I pray for kingdom connections. God, I pray for people to find the strength to separate from those who are not feeding their faith. I pray, Lord, that you would bind our people together in unity and peace and that we would be people of prayer. of recollection and of expectation. Lord, that we would make these things a habit within our local assemblies of worship. And I pray that there are those co-workers who love you, Jesus, who will pray with us at work. God, I pray that there are those fellow believers and brothers and sisters in Christ that in our light groups, and our small groups, that we can pray with. God, I just pray that you would break through in our pits. And for those of us who are not in a pit season, God, I pray that we would remember that when that pit season comes, that we would pray, recall, and expect. with every head bowed, if you've never given Jesus your life, God loves you. Maybe you were raised in church. Maybe you were raised religious, but you don't know Jesus. You don't know his saving grace. You don't know the power of his spirit. God loves you, and he sent his son on a cross to die for you. And salvation is free. On the count of three, if you're coming to Christ for the first time, just want you to raise that hand. We're not going to embarrass you. We're going to pray with you as a church. If you're coming to Jesus for the first time, you raise that hand. Oh, man, already hands raised. One, two, three. You're coming to Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, church, let's celebrate. God is good. Hallelujah. We can do better than that. Someone's going to heaven. We don't want to patticate the Lord. Let's repeat after me, church. Say, Father God, we love you. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We repent of our sins. Come into our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, church. Thank you.